Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Weekend Teacher Podcast. Today, I'm excited to share a conversation I had recently with Dr. Dana Pemberton. She is a professor and chair of the Education Department at Abilene Christian University. She's also the author of two books and numerous articles, and she's a volunteer teacher at her church on Sundays. Um, how long have you been teaching? Well, it depends on how you count it. Um, I have been teaching at Highland, I guess, probably 30 years, but I've been teaching Bible class since I was in high school. Um, there, I don't think there's been a break from the time I was a sophomore in high school that I wasn't teaching somewhere in some context at your... You must really like it. I do like it. It's where I feel I belong. It's where I feel my gifts are best used. Um, I don't know. I, I wouldn't be anyplace else. It's, it's not people saying, wow, you're so committed. It's not a burden. It's, it's a blessing. I've been in one of your classes, maybe maybe more than that, but as I've watched you, there are certain things that you do that are kind of ritual or pattern or habit. I'm growing up in the Church of Christ in the 60s and 70s, ritual was kind of a bad word, um, but I've come to understand that particularly for children, really I think for all of us, ritual is, a, is, a, is an important way to establish context. It helps the children enter the space. It also, it, it gives them a spiritual language, and so some of our rituals are about community building. Uh, these children go to different schools. The children in my Bible class don't all go to the same elementary school. They go to elementary schools all over town, and some either even in other towns outside of Abilene. They don't see each other week by week. We're trying to build community. They need to know each other. So some of our rituals are celebrating five and six and seven year oldness, and we celebrate when a tooth falls out, uh, but part of that ritual is to say, you know, if God knows how many hairs are on your head, the children respond with, he knows how many teeth are in your mouth, and it's it's community building. We do, um, we do vi uh, kind of sharing time, sort of like show and tell, but a little more structured when you have as many kids on the carpet. Not everybody gets to share every week, so we have a structure for that, and sometimes they share things that are just kind of fun, silly things. They bring a new toy they got, or they talk about a trip they took, but sometimes they talk about things that are um, significant worries that adults would have concern about too. You know, a mom who's bedridden with uh, a sibling on the way, or a visit to the hospital of one of our classmates who has cancer, or the death of a grandparent, or the loss of a pet. And so there, there are some very difficult things they talk about, and we talk about that communally. The child who shares uh, talks about whatever he or she wants to talk about, and then we open it up for questions. We really encourage the children to ask questions of that person so that it's not just, okay, now I'm going to say something about that, but be, it becomes a conversation. So they've learned really well how to ask questions. I don't know if you know about five-year-olds. I do not know how to ask questions. <laughs> if you ask, do you have a question? It means, is there anything in the world at all that you'd like to say at this point? And exactly. so building that understanding of what it means to be interested in the other is is part of that process and so someone coming into my class might think well sharing time she's wasting a lot of time for me it's about building community it's about them knowing each other it's about caring about what the other person has to say what the other person is feeling we also celebrate birthdays and not just on the day we celebrate their birthday month. And so for that entire month, 
we bring them up, we sing happy birthday, but then we have a birthday blessing. And it is from, you know, Luke. It is, may you grow in wisdom and in stature and in favor with God and people. And we say that every week over the children who have a birthday that month. When we did the story of Jesus in the temple and we read that part of the text, the children were like, oh, that's our birthday blessing. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> yes, it comes from God's word. Yes. You're right. So those are some of the rituals we do that are just part of building community but there, there's there's a ritual language we use as well. Um, recently, I've started, as we enter our story time, a child comes up, turns on the lamp, opens the Bible to where the story is for that day, and then we all together, before we begin our story, say, your word is a lamp to my feet. And then we, okay. we enter the story and that way. The visual, the, mm -hmm. the visual with the lamp and... Uh, we, we have welcoming rituals to people who come and give them a little welcome packet and then I'll say, we welcome you in the name of Jesus. So some of it is they're learning scripture. They don't know they're learning scripture, but they're also learning a language of faith uh, that I think is really important. I've heard you say that they are permitted their space where they can talk, they can share, they can ask questions. And as you've noted, these kids love to ask questions, but you're also training them to listen to each other. And to listen to the story and to listen to what God has to say, to open that space inside them, to listen. And I think we underestimate children. I think we think we have to over-explain the text. I, I think we've come to have a low view of both children and the biblical text. And, and we think we have to reduce it, bring it down. And, and that doesn't mean I'm not sensitive to how old they are as I, as I choose a text to share but I also let them sit in the wonder of it. And we do a lot of wonder questions. I wonder what they were thinking. I wonder how they were feeling. Um, I wonder what that was like. And we just sit there with that. And they come up with their ideas. And sometimes it's really quite amazing what they say. Yeah. In fact, you're reminding me of something that you've taught uh, my daughters. Um, when bad things happen, there are a lot of accusations that are made. There's a lot of questions that are asked. Um, and one of the things that, that my children have learned because of you is good things happen and bad things happen, but God is always working. And, uh, and I, that's a, I think that's a good principle. And my kids get it. They, they understand that. Yeah. So. And that's a phrase we repeated through one unit. So, uh, yeah. Good. Well, it's <laughs> repetition is good. Repetition is good. Um, well, speaking of repetition, um, uh, what what principles do you keep in mind when you work with kids? Um, we've talked about ritual. Um, if if you um, were to offer words of wisdom to other volunteer teachers uh, working with kindergartners or first graders, what what might you uh, say? Any advice you'd give them? Well, one thing I would say is they're six or they're five or they're seven, and and when Jesus said to welcome children, I don't think he meant welcome them if they're only well behaved or if they're behaving as adults. Um, I think he said to welcome them. I, that picture of Jesus having the children welcoming them when the apostles were shooing them away, I don't picture that like the paintings you see is a serene kind of moment. I think those were messy, wiggly, loud children. And, and so I think one of the the things I would tell adults is to, is to welcome them as children. That doesn't mean there's a lack of control, but it does mean that you don't expect them to be 20. You expect them right. to be 5. 
and they're going to move around. And I think it's important to understand that what's going on with their body is not necessarily indicative of what's going on with their heart and head. And I, I mean, I have this memory of this one little boy who I, one Sunday morning was just totally <laughs> out of control on the carpet. But we, we went out, we were talking about Samuel that day and talking about listening, so we went outside. They, they sat quietly and they just kind of listened to what they might hear in their heart. And we came back inside and we drew pictures of their favorite place to listen to God. And I came by and he had these rectangles and this person standing on top of this rectangle and this like circle at the bottom and this another. And, and I thought, he has not even tried this. And I said, well, tell me about your picture. And he said, that's Jacob's Dream. Jacob's Dream is a, a beautiful place here on the ACU campus with big stone rectangle blocks and an angel on top and a round baptismal pool. And when he said it, I could see it. And he said, I like to listen to God at Jacob's Dream. I like to climb on the rocks and listen to God. And that was a great lesson to me that while this little boy was wiggling and I kept having to redirect him and draw him back in gently, and I'm thinking, he is not getting this. Little boys need to move around sure. while they listen. And so I think that's... That's one thing I would say is remember they're five, remember they're six. Don't expect them to be 20. Right. Um, but also don't underestimate them. Um, they have the same worries, the same fears, the same questions. They just don't articulate them in exactly the same way. Sure. Yeah, children are amazing, and they uh, teach us a lot about God uh, and what it means to be a human in relationship with God. I love their trust and their faith and their questions. Can you describe uh, what happens in the hour that you're with the children? Uh, there is a worship time, but there's also a time when they're not on the carpet. They're at other places. What, yes. what happens in that hour? Well, they, as they come in, first we have some just gathering time. We do those rituals of, of sharing, checking our teeth, celebrating birthdays. Um, we enter the story. I don't do a lot of flashy stuff with the story. I have learned that they they recognize that this is important. And while we do participatory things, unlike a lot of flash, um, I don't use a lot of technology. We enter the story. Um, and the second half of class, really now it's more like the, the last third, they are in small groups at tables with other volunteers who engage them in sort of Activities that encourage reflective engagement or, or a personal response to the story. I try not to, to let my application drive what I do. I try instead to start from the text. And I, I think a lot of curricula start with a theme or some application and then they force a story into it. That I think is inappropriate. I, I instead start with the text and it changes, but what do I feel the Spirit is leading me to share with the children that day? I often, or I almost always have activities that are pretty open-ended. There's not one right answer. They're responding to the story. They might respond through art. They might respond through uh, some sort of cooperative activity where they're responding to a question. Um, they might go on a walk. They might do a variety of things, but it's it's pretty open-ended. I 
because I want them to respond. I, I don't want them just to answer a question. Sure, that sure. makes sense. So I love that you, as a parent, I appreciate that you start with the text and, <laughs> and make that your focus. Uh, is there a favorite Bible that you have or you use with these age children? No, I don't. I, I typically use an NIV. Okay. Um, I explain words to them. We, we talk about words. That's my elementary school teacher thing coming out. And so as we encounter words, I think last week we had the word plead. And um, the children, that's not a word they use. And so we talked about what that meant. It was the, the leper who was pleading with Jesus. And so one of the children defined that as to ask and ask and ask and ask and ask and say, please, 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 please. And that's a great definition. And so I... I I talk about what words mean that, that they might not know. And I think that's important because as they get older, we want them to be biblically literate. We want them to be able to read the text. And so I, I don't necessarily use a children's Bible. In fact, I rarely do. Um, we just start from, from the text. It's, it's funny, one, one day I was in um, the media center at Highland during the week, and a, a Bible class teacher came in and said, Hey, I'm doing Balaam tonight. Do you have any ideas? And I said, well, what were you thinking of doing? And she said, well, you know, it's a weird story. I said, yeah, it's very, it's a very bizarre story. And she said, so, and I don't think children will understand it. So I think I'm just going to talk about saying kind words to people. And I, I said, well, you know, I don't, I don't think that's what the story's about. And she said, well, is there an idea book someplace or something? I said, probably, but... Here's what I want you to do. I want you to go home. I want you to read the text. I want you to pray. And I want you to see what you think God is leading you to share with the children. She kind of looked at me like a deer in the headlights. And I said, no, 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 really. And she said, but isn't there, isn't there a Bible story book or something? Probably, but go home, read the text, pray, see what God would have you share with the children. And she kind of left bewildered, but I saw her on Wednesday night after she taught. And these were four and five-year-olds. And I said, well, how'd it go? She said, well, I did it. I went home and I read it. And, you know, we acted out the story and we just talked about the details of the story. But what kept coming back to me was God always wants to bless his people as I read it. And she said, so we talked about blessing. And we talked about speaking words of blessing, which is different than saying kind words. Um, and so, you know, starting from the text... I think it's very easy as a teacher of young children to think, well, there's a lot they can't understand, and so I don't need to review it. But I love when I'm reading the text again before I teach, when I encounter things I hadn't seen recently or hadn't seen before, and I'm very intentional about saying to the children, you know, as I was reading the story to get ready, I read this part, um, like with um, Elisha and... Um, Naaman, where he says, when I go back and the king is bowing before these gods and he's holding on to my arm, is it okay if I bow to you in that context? I don't think I'd ever read that before until recently or I'd missed it. And so I talked about it. And so 
I just encourage teachers to read it again. And then one of the things that I think I'm teaching the children is, is that God's word is living and breathing and there's always something new. And so I share with them when I discovered something new when I was reading that morning. And that you can't find that in the teacher's manual. Right. You know, it, that just has to come from, from entering the text first. It's obvious to me that you value the relationship teachers have with God first and foremost, and uh, you have a reverence for the text, which I think uh, the kids pick up on. And it sounds like you have a passion for kids and, and helping them engage God and God's Word. Um, and, and, I, and I love what you're saying here, that, that uh, the teacher uh, must begin with their own engagement, their own formation, uh, and then share that with, with kids and bring them along. Yeah, and I think teachers often think that preparation is making stuff, making stuff for the lesson. I often don't make hardly anything. I put out markers and paper, or I, as I'm telling the story, we might draw together. Um, preparation, the first preparation, is the text. Sure. I love that, and I can tell you that the kids love your class. Well, Dr. Pemberton, I really appreciate you joining us today. Thank you for your time. You're welcome. I'm Dr. Houston Heflin. Until next time, remember, how we let the text teach us impacts what they learn. As always, if you have questions or if you want to engage this conversation, you can reach me at theweekendteacher at gmail.com.